You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 207 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing so far on this long weekend? Uh, wonderful. Uh, it's great to have a long weekend uh, just before everything gets underway in the hockey season. Um, all I have to say is uh, listen to your mom. Everybody out there, listen to your mom because um, I learned this week, uh, once again, I've learned this lesson a thousand times, but your mom is always right. Um, and my mom used to say, um, things always happen in threes. I was like, well, what does that even mean? Um, and she said, listen, it's a, a law of nature. Things always happen, whether it's good, whether it's bad, things always happen in threes. And this week, that was um, pounded into my head again. This Because, um, yeah, three three bad things kind of happened. Well, I would argue that I'm always right over my mom, but yeah, maybe maybe I'll <laughs> listen to her at some point. We'll see. I'm I'm still growing up. Um, I what a week it was. Um, the the motherboard on my computer died, um, and yes, if that's happened to you, you know you don't have many choices in dealing with it, especially with a an important podcast like this coming up. So um, uh, that was that was uh, a little stressful. Um, um, my refrigerator went, uh, on the fritz, uh, and it's limping along now. A uh, replacement is coming on Tuesday and at a water leak, um, which, uh, a slow water leak. So it seeped under the floor in the kitchen and the kitchen floor has to be replaced. So three things, fridge, floor, motherboard, and Motherboard is appropriate because mom is always right. 
Yeah, I, I guess the universe was trying to tell something to you there when your motherboard went down. <laughs> wow, that's, that sounds like an absolutely crazy week. And uh, hopefully things start to look up uh, with this podcast happening. Well, everything. yeah, I'm just happy to be here and uh, and have this as a, an es- escape and, and a chance to uh, talk to our listeners about all the exciting things that's happening that are happening uh, in the world of the Montreal Canadiens. Well, as always, it's a delight to have you here on the Canadians Connection podcast with me. And uh, I'll start things off by just letting everyone know what's going to go down on this episode. Uh, first, we're going to have our Habs news. That'll be followed up by our prospect report and some news from around the league. We also have some interesting quotes to get to. In segment two, we're going to talk about leadership. And that ties in very nicely with uh, our Canadians Connection question of the week coming up in segment three. Who should be the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens? And Rick, uh, what's the best way for people to let us know? Well, we, we received quite a few texts uh, this week. So people are using our Rocket Sports text line. The easiest way to get to us, it's available 24 hours a day. Uh, the Rocket Sports text line is also easy to remember. It's 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Text us anytime. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can visit the website, canadiansconnection.com. Starting things off with our interesting headline for this week, single-game tickets for Canadian home games go on sale as of Tuesday next week. So it's very exciting for fans. The hockey season is almost here. And wow, have you seen these pictures that they have inserted to advertise this? Uh, a whole new theme, uh, obviously, coming uh, from the Canadians marketing folks uh, this season. Last season, we had uh, they went to the neon theme, the, ne- the red and blue neon tubes that kind of dominated the, the theme uh, last year. This year, um, a different color, a not a Canadians blue and a pink, uh, which seems interesting. And, and those pictures uh, uh, with the... The lit up visors, um, they, they look like astronauts, astronauts wearing spacesuits and, and being lit up. And, and I, I sent you the astronaut uh, picture uh, with that kind of pinkish glow that uh, it reminded me of. And, and uh, I, I don't know if that's where they got their inspiration or what exactly they're going for, but I think we're going to see a lot more of it this season. Yeah, I, I described it as groovy, maybe a little bit psychedelic. I, I don't know if I like it or not, but you know what? Uh, kudos for trying something different, and it's definitely memorable. It stands out. On on Twitter, uh, you, you see it right away, when uh, and, and maybe that's uh, exactly what they're going for. So make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines, post appearing regularly at allhabs.net. So... This past week, uh, Canadians announced that Jonathan Druin's annual golf tournament raised $1.1 million for the CHUM Foundation. Uh, The CHUM Foundation uh, is a teaching hospital affiliated with the University of Montreal. It works closely with the university and its professors on multiple research projects, including those that were supported by Guy Lafleur. Yeah, this was a a uh, cause near and dear to to the heart of Guy Lafleur and Serge Savard. It's been uh, something that's been uh, running for uh, a long time. Of course, um, with uh, um, Guy Lafleur passing away in April, um, that was uh, Guy Lafleur was the ambassador uh, for the University of Montreal Hospital Foundation. Uh, his son um, Martin has stepped in. 
And of course, the 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 Canadians connection, uh, the Montreal Canadiens player associated with this, has been uh, uh, Jonathan Duran and and uh, uh, his golf tournament um, uh, that uh, is held at the um, uh, the Mirage Golf Club in Terrebonne. Uh, it's been there for the last five years. It's been uh, rather successful. Jonathan himself made a um, $50,000 donation per year committed for the next um, 10 years. Um, and uh, the first four years uh, of the tournament, the golf tournament that is, they raised uh, in the neighborhood of uh, $2 million this year, uh, a, a million dollars added to that. So very successful and, and uh, um, helps with the Lafleur name, the Savard name, and, and Jonathan Duran has done a, a good job uh, there as well, being the, the Canadian's face of, uh, of the foundation. Well, Druin also had some comments ahead of this season. Uh, Druin obviously was a big topic this past week. Uh, he touches a little bit on his health over the past few years, talking about how he struggled and having to get wrist surgery. And he went on to explain that uh, he just wants to have fun and play hockey again this season. Yeah, he he said he's in a he's in a good place. Um, there was a time when things were. Uh, we know we're a little dark for him, and um, uh, he 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 said that things are going very well uh, in his life. He credited um, his baby uh, son and 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 the fact that he gets so um, uh, see him every morning, and and that certainly uh, puts a uh, his his quote was seeing the little guy puts a smile on my face. Um, but he went on to talk about you know, his, his upcoming season. And, and, um, it's, it's, it's no secret that Jonathan Duran has been a disappointment since his trade. Um, Mark Bergevin, I, I think it's fair to say, uh, his worst trade trading, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, uh, for Jonathan Duran was supposed to be, um, you know, the, the, the superstar that he w- was in junior hockey, but it's been nine years since, um, since that, you know, since his hundred point season in junior, um, his career high in the NHL has been 53 points. And for the last, uh, three seasons combined, he's, it's been a total of 58 points. So, um, he, he hasn't delivered and, and for a variety of reasons, um, injuries certainly played a part, um, his, um, his, his interest, his work ethic, his competitiveness, uh, his willing to engage, uh, or, or lack of have certainly been, uh, identified, um, kind of a, you know, only willing to be a one dimensional player, but he said that, um, he's really looking forward to, uh, playing for Marty St. Louis, only only a, had a couple of games uh, with him last season before he uh, exited f- uh, for his injury. Um, we may have heard this this theme before. Um, he's I I think he used that as the excuse so when he came to Montreal. Said you know Tampa didn't he wasn't able to really. Uh, the Tampa Bay uh, organization, because he spent some time in Syracuse, um, he wasn't able to show what he can really do. But now he, that he was with the Canadians, it was going to be, um, you know, he was going to be able to live up to his full potential. That that didn't happen. 
Uh, then when uh, Dom Ducharme was named head coach, he said the same thing. Oh, now that I get a chance to play for my junior coach, you're going to see the real Jonathan Duran. That didn't happen. Uh, but now he's saying the same thing again with respect to Marty St. Louis. Um, the quote, I think, that that kind of turned heads, um, and I'll just read it for you. Uh, Jonathan Duran said, it's the reality of things. It's something I can't control. I can only control to have a good season for me and the team, too. Uh, there is a good chance, a good chance, that this may be my last season in Montreal. And um, he's in a contract year, um, but it was, um, you know, Jonathan Durand uh, has, has had difficulty in the past uh, not saying the things that you're not supposed to say. Remember, We remember the whole uh, Shea Weber um, affair uh, when Jonathan Duran um, uh, said things he, he shouldn't have said. Um, you know, I don't know where he's getting this, whether it's, uh, um, you know, his agent, whether whether the Canadians themselves are saying, you know, you, this, this is a season um, that you need to prove yourself, or if he just sees the writing on the wall with the Canadians having way too many forwards, with uh, a lot of young forwards uh, in the stable, um, and with Jonathan Duran not being able to, or hasn't uh, been able to perform uh, over the last three seasons. Um, So it it was just interesting, and and in our Slack group, I posted a headline uh, on RDS that I would never thought I'd see, and it said, uh, uh, could this be Jonathan Duran's last season in Montreal? And uh, so, you know... Um, he raised it himself and, and the media is certainly talking about it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, you know, as has happened before, I expect we'll see, uh, glimpses of what Jonathan Duran can be. I, I, I expect, I fully expect him to get off to a good start, but what's been the issue in the past has been him maintaining that having consistency, um, and, and, and playing out a full season. And that, that just hasn't happened for the last three years. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll see a Jonathan Duran that comes in right away with something to prove. Uh, it might wane off as things go along. It might wane off as early as December. We'll see. Time will tell. But uh, there's, uh, well, I guess another Montreal player that has something to prove was in uh, the news. Eric Engel reported that one of the options being discussed for Kirby Doc is a four-year contract, $3.5 million annual average. Uh, this shows to me that uh, Hughes is swinging for the fences here. Uh, obviously, he's going to have to clear out a little bit more cap space to make this happen. But uh, another situation where Montreal has traded away a Russian defenseman for a third overall pick with something to prove. Uh, you just hope that it works out this time around. Yeah, no, that's a good uh, point, a good connection there. Um, we obviously don't. We, we, we don't talk about rumors. Um, as far as speculation, we're pretty selective as far as uh, what, we, what we share. And, and um, you should know that, that Eric Ingalls, um, uh, Sportsnet reporter in Montreal, um, he's, the, he's the go-to uh, person for the Montreal Canadiens if they want to leak something, if they want to intentionally leak something. Um, Renault Lavoie on, on the French side, the same thing. Uh, so you can be fairly confident that the Canadians wanted this out there, that um, 
Kent Hughes wanted uh, this proposal that they've made or, or, or option that they've made to the Kirby Dock camp out there. Uh, whether it's a pressure tactic or what, we don't know. But um, it was always, you know, um, we were we were led to believe that that there was uh, kind of two paths here, that either Kirby Doc would be asked to sign a Prove Me contract, because uh, his 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 performance in Chicago has been underwhelming, uh, disappointing. Uh, I think it's fair to say all that, given the fact that he was uh, third overall pick. Um, and and in, in the uh, 2019 draft, um, and, or uh, taking a chance, taking a risk that uh, under Marty St. Louis, and given a, a different set of conditions, uh, that he would turn things around so that the um, the the, the four year contract at 3.5 would be team friendly uh, if he turns things around uh, in the next year or two. Um, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see how this works out. As you said, um, that Kent Hughes has some work to do before he can, they can finalize this. Um, and it's, um, I, I, we should also point out that there was some confusion. Uh, even Eric Ingalls was confused about, about it, but the, 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 as far as his free agent, um, free agency, um, uh, status that, uh, this uh, four years would take him uh, to that, that he would have one more year left on, as a restricted free agent after this contract is up before going to um, um, unrestricted free agency status. So um, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, but it's, it's information out there that I think the Canadians want you to know. Yeah. I, it's. I guess it's a good thing that uh, even after a potential four-year contract is up, that uh, they would still maintain control of Kirby Doc. That's, I guess, kind of reassuring to know. But uh, I don't know. I, I almost would lean more towards wanting to give Kirby Doc a, a prove-me one- or two-year contract. Personal preference on my end. We'll see how things go down. So now I think is a good time to take our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. The Laval Rocket have signed forward Brett Stapley to a one-year, one-way contract. That's a one-way AHL deal, just to confirm that. Uh, Stapley is a former seventh-round pick. Uh, He spent last season with the University of Denver, and uh, he had a pretty good season. I'm a little bit surprised to see that it was just uh, a one-way AHL contract, but uh, Brett Stapley does have an opportunity in the organization. Yeah, we talked about uh, Brett Stapley a couple weeks ago. Had a great season, um, as you said, with the Denver Pioneers. Uh, they won uh, the NCAA championship. Uh, he played a big part in that, 43 points in 41 games. Um, and it was a little bit of a surprise when that August 15th deadline came and the Canadians hadn't offered him uh, an entry-level contract. And uh, so their rights to him expired. Um, and, and, um, we, we talked about at the time we talked about that one of the options for Brett Stapley was to go back to, uh, the university of Denver for his fifth season, 
kind of unprecedented, but it was special COVID rules um, set up um, because he only had, he only played uh, 13 games in the 2020-2021 season. So uh, the option was there for him to go back for a fifth season. And if he did so, the Canadians, it would have pushed that August 15th deadline off a year. The Canadians would have still retained his, his rights. Uh, whatever the discussions were between Brett Stapley and the Montreal Canadiens, it was determined uh, that it was best at this time for him to turn pro um, and and leave uh, college. And um, but that um, the Canadians weren't prepared to to offer him an entry level contract. That instead uh, he would sign the contract as he did with Laval. Um, he'll have a spot there and uh, and a chance to prove himself and perhaps earn that uh, NHL contract. Canadians prospect Logan Mayu continues to recover from shoulder surgery. He will not be a full participant in camp. Last season, uh, Mayu played 12 games with London. He got injured and then re-injured, so some unfortunate news for him. Yeah, and this information is not coming from the Montreal Canadiens. Um, this is this is coming from the London Knights, his his uh, junior club, um, and um, London Knights uh, general manager Mark Hunter said, um, and I'll, I'll find the quote here for you. He's just practicing right now. His surgeon doesn't want him in battle drills just yet, and and that's what we noticed. Uh, Logan Mayu attended the Montreal Canadiens development camp, but wasn't part of the main group. Uh, he was there, but wasn't able to participate in, in drills or scrimmages or anything like that, uh, having not been fully recovered from that uh, soldier, uh, shoulder surgery that uh, he underwent um, in April. Um, and uh, that was, as you said, he... He had um, um, an injury and, and then recovered from that, came back, and it was uh, a game in, in March, early March. Um, he got into a, um, a fight with um, uh, Windsor forward uh, Pasquale Zito, and, Pasquale Zito, and um, in that fight he hurt um, his shoulder. He was out for the season, had uh, uh, shoulder surgery, and has been rehabbing it ever since. So... Um, it appears that he's going to miss, um, it's possible he could miss the entire London Knights training camp. Um, uh, the, they play four exhibition games, I think, um, and that uh, around the end of, starting in the end of September. Uh, and whether he'll miss any time at the beginning of their season or not is, is left to be seen. Um, Mark Hunter went on to say he'll be back sooner or later, no exhibition games. And after that, it's what his surgeon says. If he's ready to go and Logan has all his strength back, then he'll play. But we've got lots of time uh, to get going. It's a long season. So uh, Mark Hunter, not worried about it. Um, and, um, um, you know, it, it's uh, Logan Mayu is expected to be one of the, the best defensemen in the OHL uh, this year. It'll go back to junior. Um, but his start to the season may be a little bit delayed. Be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. Listen to and subscribe to The Press Zone coming out every Tuesday evening. Uh, The Press Zone is where you can stay up to date on everything Habs Prospects and Laval Rocket. We had some interesting quotes uh, come in this week. One of them uh, coming in uh, from Dominic Ducharme. Uh, Ducharme is somebody that... uh, 
just seems to keep have, coming back up in the news and just keeps repeating certain things that, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I'll read uh, to you a quote that stood out to me. We see it in other organizations, even outside the world of sports. When there are new leaders that join, they want to turn the page and put things their way. When new management came in, it was just a matter of time before I was let go. You can look at uh, Chris G's uh, weekly notepad. Uh, there are certainly more quotes that uh, were interesting, but uh, I, you term this the uh, Ducharme Revenge Tour. I, I think that's the best way to put it. It's interesting. Uh, uh, Ducharme No Regrets Tour. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> because he he certainly hasn't, uh, or or maybe it's best said uh, the Descharm I wouldn't do anything differently tour because he keeps repeating that um, and and when pressed, um, are you sure you wouldn't do anything differently? Um, you know his communication was was um, style was was criticized, his um, uh, structure was criticized by by Jeff Petrie uh players complained about poor preparation uh a bad system that uh, a junior system that he tried to implement that certainly didn't work uh, inept game plans and when pressed on it he says he says well maybe I would tweak my neutral zone coverage a little bit but otherwise um no no, no changes um it's <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I put it on the, uh, on our plan here and stroked it out because I don't want to give this guy any time. Uh, but I guess we have to talk to him, uh, talk about him. Um, the, you know, he, uh, oddly, he still has two years left on his, uh, Montreal Canadiens contract. And typically in that situation, um, Folks won't say, you know, they won't say very much because they don't want to jeopardize any of the many clauses about in the contract about getting paid. But um, Descharm has been everywhere on on all the um, all the 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 Montreal radio shows, um, willing to be interviewed and willing to talk about um, his time with with the Canadians. Um, in which he basically has said he has no regrets. Um, first thing he did was was head off to, to Europe and spent a month there uh, in Paris, in the south of France, in Barcelona. Um, and, and interestingly enough, um, he's gone around praising all the players. He loved Alexander Roman. Didn't you know? He loved Alexander Roman. He loved Cole Coffee. All the players that he didn't bother to give any ice time to now... When asked, oh man, he he loved every single one of them. Um, the quotes are 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 crazy, as you said. Some of them in in Chris uh, G's notepad uh, this week at allhabs.net. Uh, the one that I thought was was curious, or one of the ones I thought was curious, was that he said the reason the reason he got fired, the reason that. Um, the Canadians had such a poor season last year under his reign is that um, they had they had the shortest summer in hockey history. Uh, he says, uh, the quote, we finished playing on July 7th. It was the shortest summer a hockey team has ever had. Uh, when players arrived at camp, they were mentally tired and physically they didn't have the training. Um, and that caused um, the Canadians to have a terrible season last season. 
Now, what he didn't say was that, um, remember the other team in the Stanley Cup final that year, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning? They had exactly the same time off uh, that the Canadians did. Uh, after the Stanley Cup final, and they seem to have a, a pretty decent season last year. I mean, the stuff he was, he's saying is ridiculous. One of his quotes, if I had my way, there would be no salary cap. Then I could keep all the players that I wanted. And um, Anyway, on and on and on, it was... Um, I, I said that I didn't want to devote any time to this, but um, yes, Dom Ducharme out on his I wouldn't do anything different, no regrets to her. Yeah, really just failing to take ownership of anything that happened. And uh, I I don't know that we'll see him find another job anytime soon because of some of these quotes, to be honest. Uh, you're, you're, you might be right, but uh, he said that, um, you know, he's he's being very selective, um, that uh, he's got two years of, of, uh, of a contract of being paid by the Montreal Canadiens, so he's in, in no hurry. Um, maybe after those two years, uh, folks will forget, forget, or, or um, who knows? Who, who knows what will happen? But uh, again, it's it's a, just a surprise of of um, hearing him out there and speaking kind of bluntly from his perspective. Well, good for Ducharme. But uh, somebody that I, I feel might take uh, ownership, uh, Nick Suzuki. Uh, he had some interesting comments uh, about the upcoming season. It is, I think I'm most ex- excited about kind of proving people wrong. I think people have really put us down. I was actually talking to Sean Monahan about our lineup. We've got a pretty deep team, and I think people are underestimating us. It's not a bad thing either. I think we're going to surprise people. And uh, I kind of like this from uh, Nick Suzuki. Uh, you know, you look at uh, what a lot of people are saying. I think people are anticipating another 30-second place finish. And uh, you know what? Uh, Nick Suzuki is uh, doing something here to maybe rev people up, rev up the team, and uh, get things going for this uh, upcoming season. And maybe that's the, that's what a player... Um... We'll get to this in the second seg- in our big topic segment uh, about the leadership, but uh, maybe that's what a player who expects to be part of leadership uh, says. Um, I thought it was very interesting. It's kind of, it's all mushy. Um, I think we're going to surprise people. Oh, how, Nick? Uh, he doesn't say, he doesn't say that that uh, we're going to surprise people and make the playoffs. He doesn't surprise say, you know, he doesn't specify at all. It's very very vague. Um, his notion of 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 surprising, um, and 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 that's that's good, right? Because um, uh, I don't think that that he can say that and 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 be credible right now. So. Um, I, I, I thought it was, um, you know, get people excited. Uh, there's going to be some surprise. Um, you know, the Canadians are underestimated. Th- that's true. Uh, and, and who knows? Uh, under uh, Marty St. Louis, uh, they could be competitive. They could play a fun, exciting uh, brand of hockey and maybe they'll lose a lot, and maybe they won't end up 32nd. Maybe they'll end up somewhere in the bottom five, um, and and maybe that would be that would qualify as as a surprise. Um, but it's the kind of thing that I think 
um, I think a leader uh, in whatever form that turns out to be um, would say for his team. And uh, well, a guy that uh, he's mentioned that he was talking to about this and uh, Sean Monahan recently, uh, he toured the bell center and he got to answer some questions from fans. Prescott Gilmore asks, what will you bring to Montreal from Calgary on the ice? I'm going to try and bring leadership and, uh, be a great player and uh, hard work every uh, every time I step on the ice and I guess physically I'm gonna be bringing uh, my wife and my dog <laughs> okay <laughs> the many um, ways to interpret that question yeah exactly just interpret it uh, the way you want. and and listen he's there's there's he's been called boring Sean Monahan and there's that Twitter account that's that's fabulous boring Sean Monahan on Twitter um, and there was a couple of Canadians references this past week um, that uh, um, that that you have to kind of see in context. Uh, the, the boring Sean Monahan Twitter account said something about um, I asked uh, uh, Paul Byron if he liked toast. He said yes. Um, that's boring Sean Monahan. <laughs> Uh, but th- this audio kind of introduces you to uh, Sean Monahan. Um, um, and his his uh, demeanor. Um, I thought it was interesting. He was asked in the video, um, "How did you learn about uh, that you were traded?" And he said he, he was on the phone. He had an important phone call, and uh, his agent kept calling repeatedly. Um, so finally, he got off this important call, got uh, talked to his agent, and found out that he was traded uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. What was this other call? Uh, he was on uh, the phone with on the line with his insurance agent because his car had just been stolen. Um, so he went from <laughs> from um, you know sad, mad, whatever feelings about his car being stolen to um, uh, some excitement about uh, being traded to the Montreal Canadiens. I thought that was interesting. He was also asked about where the number ninety one uh, come from. He said um, that, that well, obviously. The number that he, 23, that he has always played with wasn't available, uh, raised to the, the rafters of the Bell Center for Bob Ganey. So he has always wanted to be number 19, couldn't be 19. Uh, so he flipped that around to be 91, and the, that coincides with his sister's birth year. So he thought it was uh, appropriate. Uh, the other question, another question he was asked was, um, once you uh, the news was out about you being traded to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, who from the team texted you first? Um, and he actually referred to his phone and gave them in order of who texted first. Very first person that, a very first player that texted him was Joel Edmondson. Uh, second, Brendan Gallagher. Third, uh, Paul Byron. And fourth, Jake Evans, who um, um, uh, we know um, that uh, they the t- those two have trained together for the past few years and have become uh, good buddies. So, uh, all the things you ever wanted to know about Sean Monahan. Yeah, I, I like his straight to the point answers and his very honest answers to everything. That uh, it's going to be fun uh, for the next season. There. Yeah, I think so. But uh, we'll uh, go to another uh, quote. Um, actually, on last week's episode, we featured quotes from uh, the Canadians' video entitled "Inside the Canadians' Draft Meetings." 
You can find this on YouTube. Uh, we had a, a fun time watching this. Uh, it's about 20 minutes long, and it just kind of goes through, you know, leading up to the draft and a little bit during the draft, some of the discussions behind the closed doors. And we received several messages from listeners about one clip in particular. Yeah, and, and um, uh, just to, to set this up a little bit, the we... we talked about um, a couple of clips uh, last week. Uh, if you go back to episode uh, 206 and, uh, and listen to it, uh, it was fascinating, especially one long uh, kind of summary statement by Nick Bobrov on uh, why the Canadians should choose uh, Yuri Slavkovsky at number one. Um, it was a two-minute clip, and it was kind of while we had the cliche counter going, uh, it was full of kind of uh, cliches and empty statements. And, and we thought it was really odd that that was the, the closing argument. Um, and, and we, we assumed that, that that couldn't have been the only, those couldn't have been the only reasons um, to, to select Slavkovsky. And, and Michael, you and I had a, a conversation about, uh, afterwards about a, a different clip um, and it came from uh, Krista Rockstrom the European scout and Chris Boucher the uh, the analytics head uh, recently hired um, and and it was all about size um, and and we were perplexed by what had been said um, there there was there was there was portions that we really liked in in this video we should mention that um, uh, Eric Crawford's, uh, Owen Beck's. Um, but the, this clip we talked about after the show and said, um, you know, maybe we should have presented it, but in the interest of time, we didn't. Well, our listeners uh, said, hey, you should hear this clip about size because uh, we got text, we got a one email. Um, uh, th- something odd is, is going on there, and uh, you should play that. So that's exactly what we'll do. It starts, though, with Kent Hughes, uh, who frames um, how they should uh, be looking at the first overall pick. Which player do you guys believe has the most upside uh, as an NHL player down the road, not today? I don't know, right, but I go Slavkovsky. And, and another reason is I want some of the other guys, smaller guys. But he's a big horse, and that's why I would go with him, because it's a piece of the puzzle that falls. If taking Slavkovsky means that we don't start drafting guys later for size, because I think that's where teams make mistakes. That's a great Where we start drafting guys because they're 6'2 and one guy's six foot. We say, oh, well, we need size, we need size, we need size. If that stops us from doing that, it's already a win for me anyways. Okay, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. First voice you heard was Kent Hughes. Um, and he, exactly right. He said, um, I want your best arguments about... Um, the first overall pick. I don't care if it's Cooley. I don't care if it's uh, Shane Wright. I don't care if it's Slavkovsky or another name that you're going to suggest. We want to hear the upside. Not now, not today, but um, who is going to make the best future NHLer? And I thought that he he wasn't asking who's the right player, who's the best player right now, who's been the best player with their um, with their team um, ahead of the draft. But who's going to project to be the best NHLer? And and first and foremost, uh, kudos to Kent Hughes. He framed it perfectly well. Um, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, he, he asked that question very well. Who is going to be the best NHLer? I'm disappointed by some of the responses there, in particularly when we get to uh, hear about like why they wanted to draft size first overall. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, let's not make a mistake later on. We'll uh, draft a guy for size first overall. And I don't know about you, but I, I'd rather make that mistake later in the draft than make that, I guess, potential mistake first overall. Uh, that maybe that's not quite what they're getting at uh, in what they're saying. But uh, it's, yeah, just a little bit odd that, uh, you know, you, you don't really get to hear a great argument as to why they want to draft Slavkovsky with that pick. So right after uh, Ken Hughes, we heard the voice of Krister Rockstrom. Uh, and the first thing he he said was, um, I don't I don't know uh, right, uh, but I'd vote for Slavkovsky, which is bizarre to me. Um, you know, I, I don't know anything about pie, but um, mushrooms are just delicious. Um, if you if you're going to compare the two, you, you know yeah, that was bizarre. Never really answered the question, like. He just yeah, he never really answered what Kent Hughes was asking. But if you're gonna if you're going to say out of out of these people, this this guy's the best, I choose Slavkovsky, you better know what you're comparing him to. You know, uh, him to say, I don't know right, I don't know anything about this guy, uh, but I'm all in on Slavkovsky. Uh that was that, he, sorry, Krister, you're not doing your job. Uh, and I know you're the European scout, but um, you should at least picked uh, peeked in on uh, Shane Wright a little bit if you're going to say something like that. He went on to to describe Slavkovsky as the big horse, um, and then said, um, "I want a bunch of small players later on in the draft, so we better take a big guy first because it's all a puzzle. So uh, I'll get my big guy first. And then that will that will enable me to argue for my small guys later in the draft. And that was when uh, Chris Boucher jumped in, the analytics guy, making a non-logical uh, argument saying, um, yeah, um, I think teams make a mistake, uh, often make a mistake when they don't take a big guy first. And then later on the, in the draft, they're always looking to, to arguing to... Um, um, add size later we should take size first um so that we can we, we don't feel forced uh to to take size later um bizarre absolutely bizarre um um logic there and certainly i something i didn't expect coming from uh an analytics guy and and you know uh, i thought it was was pretty insightful for uh, our listeners to say, "Hey, <laughs> something's going on here. You be- you better uh, you better highlight that quote." It's I guess the funny thing about this too is some of this ended up happening. So they did take size and Slavkovsky first overall, and later in the draft they did take some smaller guys too in uh, Philippe Michard, Lane Hudson. So yeah. it it yeah I guess these arguments were good enough to make that happen. Yeah, it it just um, you know flawed logic there. I I I thought it was was uh, really odd. And and listen, it's not like uh, there was somebody uh, with a hidden microphone and this was leaked. This 
these are the 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 pass. I'm sure that you know we heard that the arguments about uh, the first overall pick went on for days and days and days up right until the last day. These are the quotes that the Montreal Canadiens chose to release uh, to form the best arguments uh, for, for choosing um, Yaroslavkovsky. Um, and again, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm not. I'm not choosing to relitigate this thing. The pick's been made, and and we're we're all on board with Yuri Slavkovsky. What we're saying and what we said uh, last week with respect to Nick Bob, Bobrov is uh, they that there's better reasons to have chosen Slavkovsky than the ones that Bobrov gave, than the ones that uh, were presented by uh, Rockstrom and, and Boucher here. Um, it's just strange that that that's what the Canadians chose to put out there in their in their uh, quote unquote behind the scenes video um, from the 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 2022 draft. Yeah, I guess understanding to an extent, like they probably don't want to give away, like I guess too much inside information. Oh yeah, but but the fact that the quote is let's draft a guy because he's big and that's what they want to release to fans. That's uh, it's, you said interesting. I, I find it kind of funny to an extent that that's what they want to go with because I, I think that there are a lot of fans out there that might be a little bit smarter than that, than to just go along with, Oh yeah, we're okay with drafting a guy just because he's big. It's curious. Yeah. Let's, let's, force ourselves to to draft a big guy first so we aren't forced to draft a big guy later um that's that's what was said and it's uh, it's it's bizarre it's absolutely bizarre but uh, I think now uh, we'll transition on into uh, some hockey news from around the league uh, we talked about a big guy well let's talk about a big contract here 56 million over seven years going to JT Miller from the Vancouver Canucks. Huge contract. You know what? JT Miller is a great player. And, uh, you know, at Vancouver was rumored at one point to maybe be exploring a trade for him. They got the deal done. And uh, I guess uh, they're pretty happy about that. Yeah. He was going into his, his last season um, of the contract he signed with the, the lightning um, it was a, a five-year, $5.25 million, con- uh, million dollar contract. Uh, so he'll, he'll finish that out in the 2022-2023 season. And then, you know, he was, he was uh, set to become one of the most coveted free agents in the summer of, of 2023. The, the, the Canucks said, no, we're not having any of that. Uh, let's get him locked up. And um, so this this contract will kick in a year from now, uh, and then, as you said, seven years uh, after that, fifty six million dollars. Um, he he was absolutely an impact player uh, uh, for the for the Canucks uh, last season. Ninety nine points in in eighty games, and uh, they obviously feel that he's a, a big part of their future. Former Montreal Canadian, uh, the guy, well, one of the guys acquired in uh, the Tyler DeFoley trade, Tyler Pitlick. He's being offered a professional tryout contract by the St. Louis Blues. He, um, yeah, one of the Pitlicks, one of, formerly, uh, there was three Pitlicks, 
Pitlick's in the organization, Rem Pitlick, Rhett Pitlick, the prospect. And then Tyler is a bit older, uh, the cousin. Uh, he played uh, when he came over 14 games for the Canadians, had three points. I don't think it was ever a question that the Canadians would uh, re-sign him, just uh, didn't fit. Um, 30 years old, uh, but gets a, a brand new opportunity with a new or- organization, that being the St. Louis Blues. And finally, the New York Rangers are exploring a trade for defenseman Nils Lundqvist. This is uh, this is kind of an interesting one, and maybe the Habs could look into this. I know, uh, Rick, you've been a I guess someone that's maybe pushed for uh, the Habs looking into Nils Lundqvist as a trade, given that he's a younger defenseman, he's a right shot, he's uh, somebody that you feel maybe fits into the organization. Uh, He's not, uh, I guess he's not had too many opportunities in New York, maybe hasn't been a great fit there, but uh, what's your thoughts on Nils Lundqvist? Well, Nils Lindquist was a first-round pick uh, in 2018, uh, 28th overall. That He was the third first-round pick of the Rangers uh, that year. Uh, a little bit on, on the small size at 5'10", 187, um, but is, is uh, a puck mover, um, right-hand defenseman, uh, the kind of defenseman um, you know, puck moving, offensive or- oriented uh, that the Canadians don't have. Um, now, Ken Hughes has said that, you know, they're they're a little, a little weak on in the depth chart on the right side, and that he would like to add another uh, veteran defenseman. But this was a guy uh, that uh, you know I I had heard that um, the Canadian that the Rangers were willing to move at the. Uh, around the trade deadline, um, it's not, uh, you know, Lundqvist, uh, it's, it's not that he has issues with management. It's not that um, he's been, uh, um, his year of, uh, of uh, transition to North American hockey went a little slower than many expected. But this was, this was a guy who, um, you know, was uh, really highly touted. Um, he, he won the uh, Boris Salming Award uh, in the SHL. Um, he was, he's considered, uh, at one time, one of the best prospects outside of, of, uh, North America. And, uh, I think in the Rangers organization, he just got, you know, on, on, they're the opposite, uh, with respect to, to Montreal. I got Adam Fox on the right side, Jacob Truba, uh, Braden Schneider's kind of passed him and offers a different kind of dimension on the right side, the, the physical place. So, um, if you're looking for a defenseman who uh, can occupy potentially a top four spot, can be your power play quarterback, um, this this is an interesting um, option. I know that that um, you know Ken Hughes would prefer someone older. Uh, Lundqvist is only 22, still a prospect, um, but this this would be uh, depending on the asking price. Uh, he is a first round, a former first round pick overall. Um, um, it, it would, it would be, an, and and you know we know that uh, it was reported by Larry Brooks that um, he's a, a bit frustrated that uh, um, he's he's not, you know, he doesn't have a, a clear path, a, an opportunity with the Rangers, uh, so that he is unlikely to report to to their training camp. Uh, so it looks like um, Chris Dury is going to kind of move him. Um, the question is just where and will the Canadians be uh, interested enough and, and involved? And 
what what's going to be uh, the asking price. Yep, and uh, it is interesting to note, too, that uh, the Canadians definitely could use a right-shot defenseman. So who knows? Maybe there is a fit, but uh, I, I would think that uh, Kent Hughes probably would look for someone more, I guess, veteran-type right now, and uh, we'll see how this develops. Now, the last thing uh, we'll uh, get into here in this first segment, uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, some of Ken Dryden's memories about the Summit Series. Uh, the anniversary for uh, the Summit Series is coming up, uh, and we're going to continue to talk about it a little bit uh, leading up to that. It's, uh, it is fascinating, and, and uh, it was just an absolute... You, you can't overestimate the importance of uh, September 28th, 1972... Uh, to hockey in Canada, to uh, life in Canada. Remember, this went beyond hockey. There was, in the midst of the Cold War, there was political um, uh, impacts as well that came out of this uh, this series. Um, so it's it was really an important moment. And and uh, yes, uh, Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden has a new book uh, out about the the series. Um, and he's been making the, the rounds, um, especially with Montreal journalists. He, he spoke with La Presse this past week um, and, and talked about his memories. And, and one of the interesting things that I picked out of his interview was um, he referenced uh, the Canadians' uh, last Stanley Cup final uh, playoff run um, and talked about what it was like to be in Montreal, um, you know, just... Uh, a, a short time ago uh, when the whole city got behind the Canadians. Um, and he talked about, um, uh, quote, you lived the playoffs two years ago when the Canadians made it to the Stanley Cup. It wasn't quite two years ago, made it to the Stanley Cup final. You know what happens to the city of Montreal when this happens. It's fantastic. There's an experience that everyone shares. Everyone is excited and pumped up. Even those who are not fans, they all become one. We talk about it in offices. We talk about it in schools. People are wearing their jerseys all over the city. It's so fun. Um, and I know that it was like that in Canada at the time of the 72 um, Summit Series. Um, so he talks about, he was asked the question, what was it like to be 200 feet from uh, Paul Henderson uh, when he sco- scored that legendary goal Um the Lishniki Ice Palace in Moscow. You know, what was it like? Ken Dryden turns that around completely. He says, yes, it was amazing to be in Moscow on the other side of the ice where uh, when Paul Henderson scored. But I think about how fantastic it would have been to have been in Canada during that time. It, it brought me back... Um, and I've, I've talked about it before that one of my favorite moments in hockey moments was the opportunity that I got to, to sit and talk with Ken Dryden, um, one of my you know, hockey heroes. And it was at the time when, um, when uh, years ago, when he was president of the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, the, the Leafs were looking for a new practice facility uh, the school that I was in charge of, the college that I was in charge of, uh, we were working a deal with with uh, with Ken with, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Ken came with his entourage, and we had a a meeting about that. And 
the entourage went all went back to the lease offices, and and Ken was was uh, it was near the end of the day. He was uh, attending um, an event uh, with his wife, and so he stayed um, in in the office. Uh, we we sat in a couple of wing chairs, uh, waiting for his off for his wife to pick him up, and we you know I I had all kinds of questions. And his questions to me were, what was it like, what was it like growing up in a, you know, I grew up in Thunder Bay, a small uh, northern Ontario town, being a fan of the Montreal Canadiens when they were so far away. And, and you know, what was your imagination like? And what, he was asking me what it was like. And that's exactly what he's saying here, that he got to be, he got to play in one of the most memorable, memorable games, hockey games in Canadian history. And yet his mind goes to, what was it like to be a fan? I would have loved to have been part. I would have loved to have been in Canada and been a part of that. I think I, I, I've never heard that before from any other hockey player. I think it's, it's fascinating insight. And it was just something that uh, picked out of that interview um, yeah, Ken Dryden, a very special person, the way his mind works, uh, the, the way he, he writes, the way he speaks. And this was just, a, for me, another example of that. Yeah, absolutely incredible story. And uh, to me, that just shows how much he loves the game, uh, wanting to know what it's like to be on the other end of it, too, as a fan. So just what an incredible story you had to share there, Rick. Yeah, and um, and we'll we'll get back to other uh, as we we get closer to the to the fiftieth anniversary of the uh, that famous game, September twenty eighth, nineteen seventy two. We'll we'll revisit uh, uh, that again and again in the upcoming um, editions of the Canadians Connection. So I think it's time to take our first break here. Uh, coming up, we'll hear a brand new message from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then we'll have our big topic segment. The, stay with us. This is Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, 
Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow at all Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit the website canadiansconnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. And uh, Rick, that's uh, it's quite an interesting promotion from DraftKings there. It, uh, I feel like that can get a little bit dangerous for me in particular. <laughs> well, um, we should say that uh, the sponsors that we feature are ones that we use ourselves. And, and I know that we have some pretty committed DraftKings uh, uh, players on the, the Rocket Sports team. And that promotion... Uh, being up seven and and uh, you win uh, even if your team loses. Uh, I I thought that was fascinating. Uh, bet five dollars, get a couple hundred dollars in credits. Uh, it's a good start to the NFL season. Uh, NFL uh, just around the corner. We know because we're involved in uh, Rocket Sports fantasy football leagues. Our commissioner Brian Clark looks after that, and we're going to be letting you know how you might be involved in uh, fantasy hockey as well. well. We'll talk about that more in the third segment. Yeah. But uh, this segment here, uh, it's all about leadership. Um, If you were listening a few months back uh, in April, actually, uh, on episode 186, uh, we uh, took to this topic as well. And uh, you know what? A a few months has gone by. Uh, We still don't have uh, someone named as a captain for the Montreal Canadiens going into the 22-2023 season. Kent Hughes has said that uh, he wants to name a captain. Um, There appears to be a few front runners still. Uh, Nick Suzuki, Brenda Gallagher, and Joel Edmondson. I guess we'll expect an announcement within the next couple weeks, but uh, we'll break it all down here for you. Uh, We'll take a little trip uh, through the history of uh, legendary Montreal Canadiens captains. We'll also look at some current captains around the league that we believe uh, really show what it is to be a good captain. And uh, we'll start things off uh, with some history. Uh, The Canadians uh, have been blessed with several iconic captains over their long history. Uh, First and foremost, uh, the first ever captain for the Montreal Canadiens, going all the way back to 1915, uh, Nuzi Lalonde. He he was actually the captain for this team uh, for about seven years between 1915 and 1922. And, uh, well, he retired from hockey in 1928 after playing one game in the C-A-A-H-L with the, the Quebec Beavers. Uh, interesting. Uh, Anuzi Lalonde, a great hockey name. He gave way to Sprague Cleghorn, uh, another interesting name. There's been a long history, um, you know, and it goes back. Toe Blake, a uh, wonderful uh, captain and moving on to, to be an incredible head coach. Butch Bouchard, um, his... his uh, uh, Jersey uh, raised to the rafters and Rocket Richard and, and Jean Beliveau and, and uh, the Pocket Rocket and and on and on and on. Uh, an, an incredible history. There have been 30 uh, captains of the Montreal Canadiens in their history uh, about uh, Kent Hughes um, is, is, is said he would uh, like to uh, announce a captain. Uh, maybe we'll hear it around the, the time of the, the Canadiens golf tournament. Um, but that he would be naming the 31st captain in NHL history. Of course, the most recent captain, uh, Shea Weber, uh, his contract uh, traded to the Vegas Golden Knights for um, Evgeny, Evgeny Dadunov. Um, and and uh, Hughes has said a couple of times, uh, you know, that 
that uh, it's not a decision that that he's going to make uh, unilaterally. Um, but he and and uh, Jeff Gordon have talked about it, talked with uh, Jeff Molson about it, and they intend to um, uh, include the coaching staff as well in on this decision. Uh, the quote was, we've had a period of, a t- uh, from Ken Hughes, we've had a period of time where we were able to look and evaluate and speak to the players on the team about who was stepping out and who has the leadership qualities and the maturity of, uh, of take that, to take that type of role in a market like Montreal. So uh, one of the, the criteria certainly uh, for Kent Hughes is, uh, is maturity. And, and that's one of the, only one of the, the qualities that we had identified uh, when we looked at this uh, issue uh, five months ago. Um, I should say that the currently, um, you know, there's lots of talk on social media. Oh, the Canadians are the only one without a captain. No, there are seven teams in the NHL without a captain. Those include the Canadians, the Anaheim Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, Buffalo Sabres, Calgary Flames, Philadelphia Flyers, and uh, Seattle Kraken. Uh, New York, the Rangers uh, were without a captain last year. They named uh, Jacob Truba captain in the offseason. Crazy to think that uh, this franchise has been around for over 100 years now, and uh, they've only had 30 captains in that time, and many of those captains were just absolute greats. Um, some of the names that uh, we felt stood out uh, as those greats, uh, Yvonne Korwaye, uh, Saku Koivu, you mentioned Shea Weber as well, and the list goes really, really just on and on and on. I'll talk briefly about some of these three and some of the things that I thought were important that they brought to the table. And uh, maybe that relates a little bit to uh, what could go into impacting their decision on a brand new captain, some of the qualities they're looking for. Um, in terms of Core YA, he was named captain of the Canadians in 1975, taking over for uh, Henri Richard. Uh, Cornwallier is actually the only captain other than Maurice Richard to win Stanley Cups throughout his entire tenure as captain, uh, four years, four Cups. Uh, just Not a, a legendary record. name. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's hard to say that he would he wasn't a good captain if he went and won a Cup every single year he was a captain. So that, uh, that's certainly something that stands out, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and uh, you know, they, when you think of of iconic captains for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Jean Beliveau is, is uh, at that to- at the top of the list. He's, he's the captain for the Canadians that all others will be uh, compared to. Um, and, and the longest serving captain, uh, very close um, uh, to him uh, in terms of longevity. And I think in terms of stature, Saku Koivu, Shea, uh, Shea Weber was a, a superb captain. Um, those are, are three names, uh, in addition to, to the ones that, uh, in addition to Cornway, in addition to Rocket Richard that, uh, certainly stand out, um, in history. Yeah. In terms of Koivu, uh, something I, I kind of picked up on, I, I found a quote from, uh, Andre Markov that maybe exemplifies what a great leader, uh, Koivu was. Uh, he says, everybody has good memories of Saku. He was a true leader for our team. There were many things you could say about him. So many good things. Uh, Markov uh, 
obviously played uh, with Koivu for a number of years. Um, They both European players, Koivu being the first European captain of the Canadians, which I think is pretty uh, significant as well. For sure. Um, It's, it's, it's really interesting um, because the Canadians have, um, you know, they, they have, have always selected a, someone who maybe is a little, you know, a little older. Uh, Saku Koivu was the youngest um, captain, um, w- w- was the youngest player when selected as captain. He was, um, I think, 24 years old. And, and, and you know, three weeks later or, or after he was selected, he, he turned 25. And that's the youngest. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've heard Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes talk about uh, breaking the mold and, and choosing outside the box. Um, wondering whether uh, that will be, uh, uh, you know, involved in in their choosing a, the, of a captain as well. But uh, maturity uh, has been mentioned by Ken Hughes, so uh, we'll see if if it plays a, a part or not. And uh, in terms of uh, Shea Weber, there was one quote I pulled out, uh, unfortunately, from Mark Bergevin. Uh, this was after he selected Shea Weber to be a captain, and I, I think this one is pretty significant as well. Uh, Mark Bergevin said, Shea is the perfect guy for the role. That's the feeling we got from the players and asking for a vote wouldn't have changed a thing. We wanted a captain to be named before the start of the season. And you know what? Weber, after being traded from the Predators to Montreal, he spent a few years with an A on his chest under Pacioretty. Previously in uh, Nashville, Weber was a captain uh, for about six years. And you know, I think Weber as a captain for the Montreal Canadiens, he exemplified exactly what you want to, from a true leader. Uh, he was very humble the whole time. He seemed very approachable, such a calm demeanor too. And uh, you know what? He uh, in 2016 he won the Marc Messier Leadership Award uh, presented to the NHL player who exemplifies great leadership qualities uh, to his team on and off the ice. I think well-deserved. I think you could have given that to Shea Weber pretty much any year he was captain. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, leadership quali- leadership skills can be learned, but um, there are there is a such thing as a, as a born leader, and, and uh, Shea Weber is the epitome of that. Um, he, he just had a presence. He, he had... Uh, you know, he was a team first guy. He, he, he disliked talking about himself um, and uh, just commanded uh, respect uh, from players, uh, from coaches, uh, from uh, officials, from opposition um, players. Um, and, and he was just, um, you know, whether he was on the ice, uh, whether he was in the dressing room, um, he knew the, the exact right thing to say when to support um, another player, um, how to be inclusive. And, and uh, you know, the, the Montreal Canadiens are such where there are already kind of um, two defined potential cliques in, in the English and, and, and French in the locker room um, and, you know, European players or whatever – Shea Weber had none of that. Uh, he broke down those uh, those cliques and those barriers, and made sure that um, that the team was always focused on on being a team, and 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 he led by example in that way. 
Exactly. And uh, if we wanted to take a look around the league, uh, uh, some other captains that we uh, think stand out, I think one of the first guys that comes to mind is Roman Yossi, a guy who played alongside Weber and a guy who I think learned quite a bit from Weber. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I think Yossi is a great captain today. You look at what he is. He's a star player. He's also very humble and he has that calm kind of demeanor that Weber always had. So I think that... uh, Weber, I, I think that uh, his impact is still felt on the Predators and his impact is still felt on the Canadians. If you look at uh, some of the other players that are in that leadership core right now. No, I, I agree c- completely. And, and certainly, um, you know, there's players on the Canadians who said how much they learned uh, with respect to leadership from Shea Weber, but uh, that wasn't restricted to the Canadians. It, it went far beyond that. Yeah. I had uh, listed out a few other players from around the league that I think make great captains for their teams. And I, I've pointed out uh, some little attributes that I think are kind of important and go into what make them a great captain. Uh, I went uh, maybe a little bit off uh, the book here. I went with uh, Jared Spurgeon from the Minnesota Wild. He's a guy that I think just eats, sleeps, and breathes Minnesota Wild. He represents that city so well. And he maybe doesn't have that star power that you get with a Roman Yossi or a Shea Weber, but he wears his heart on his sleeve. And that's something that I think is kind of important when you're a captain. Uh, Another one that came to mind uh, was a Mark Stone. Uh, You mentioned born leader before. This is a guy that exemplifies that exactly. When he talks, his team listens. When he's not with his team and uh, his team is injured in Vegas, uh, they don't play as well. So that's why I think Mark Stone is included on my list here. And maybe going with a bit of an obvious one, uh, I wrote down uh, Sidney Crosby. Uh, It's hard to ignore his record and all the awards that he's won, the gold medals, the Stanley Cups and everything. Uh, another guy that I think is just an absolute born leader. And um, when he's in that dressing room, his team looks up to him, his team listens to him. He, uh, he commands respect. Um, to add to that, it would a very good list. Uh, you can add Jonathan Taves in Chicago, Steven Stamkos, obviously um, great uh, captain in Tampa Bay. Um, Connor McDavid, the, the star and captain in, in Edmonton. Um, but the one that really interests, interests me is the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. And you have uh, Nathan McKinnon, who um, is the, the, the face of the Colorado Avalanche and, and, and you know, exemplifies the passion and, and, uh, um, and determination and, and, and all of those qualities. Kind of a Brendan, not, not, they don't play the same way, but the same kind of intensity uh, in their personality as as a Brandon Gallagher, and to insulate McKinnon, Gabrielle Landeskog is the is the captain there. A, a brilliant choice, um, and and he's more uh, calm and and the conscience and and uh, I think that's a, um, a a setup that that really works well uh, in Colorado, where you know the natural inst- um, inclination might have been to to. Uh, uh, turn it over to McKinnon, but um, uh, again, there's there's some wonderful examples in the league um, that uh, that we can look at. 
Yeah, Landis Cog always struck me as, uh, I guess, kind of that quiet leader. And uh, that I always like that when uh, you have a guy that maybe he's not super flashy within the media, but behind the scenes, you can tell he's absolutely a leader. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So revisiting some thoughts uh, back uh, from the podcast we recorded in April, I mentioned uh, Canadians Connection episode 186. Uh, We had a roundtable discussion uh, with Amy Johnson in there, and we discussed the qualities necessary to be a good captain and possible emerging leaders for the Habs. At that time, uh, there was uh, the the uh, fo- the team photo had just taken place. We know team photos happen twice a year, usually once um, at the beginning of the year, and then after the trade deadline. And in that team photo, uh, there were four alternate captains. Of course, no captain Shea Weber was not in the photo. Uh, there were four alternate captains, and and they were uh, Joel Edmondson, Brandon Gallagher, Paul Byron, and Nick Suzuki. Um, and so we talked about at that time, um, and it's, it's a great episode, uh, episode 186, uh, go back and, and take a, a listen to it. Uh, but we talked about the, the qualities, um, that, that make a good captain and kind of first and foremost, kind of dispelling the notion that, um, my favorite player should always be the captain. And, uh, there are, there are players who are favorites, uh, by the fan base, they, they don't necessarily make uh, the best captain because for a captain, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's other qualities that, um, that, that are required. And we, we talked about the presence. We talked about the respect. Uh, I mentioned about, uh, particularly in Montreal, the, the, um, the, that a captain has to uh, consider um, being inclusive. Uh, and one of the things that Shea Weber always did was uh, to help that inclusivity was to go out of his way to welcome new players um, and and be the first to do so, to congratulate them, to take them out for dinner, um, to organize events uh, for the team, to break down those cliques. Um, and and in his absence, that role has fallen to, to Joel Edmondson. Um, I, t- I talked about, um, you know, the, the player has to be respected. The captain has to be respected uh, by the officials uh, because they're the, uh, you know, the officials are, are, are on the ice, communicate with, with the captain. Um, they have to, to be respected in the dressing room. They have to be respected around the league. Um, they've got to be supportive of the management and the coaching staff, um, at least, you know, um, um, in public, uh, they have to, they have to be team first. They have to support, uh, the, the people they work with, but yet in private, they have to be the intermediary, the, the person who takes any kind of, of, uh, questions, any kind of complaints, any kind of, uh, suggestions from the players to the coaching staff privately. Um, you talked about, a, a, a an important point, uh, being in command of, of their emotions. And that's so important uh, to bring a calming presence to the entire team, especially the Montreal Canadiens who are now going to be a, a, a very young team or moving even further towards being a young team. And, and uh, young players, their emotions can, can, get, uh, can get carried away. And we know that uh, you know, Luke Richardson was one of those calming presences on the bench. He's gone. 
um, Corey Perry and, and Eric Stahl and, and Shea Weber. And, and those, those kind of calming presences are gone. So I think that that's, you know, that needs to, um, be under consideration. And, um, I just think that, that the captain has, has so much more to, um, to contribute and to, to be responsible for rather than being, you know, a fan's, uh, uh, favorite, favorite player. Um, and, and I, th- I think that that has to be under consideration when and we talked about that, uh, in, in the, the, the last time we looked at it in episode 186, but I think it's important enough that we should emphasize it here again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was probably the first thing you brought up, uh, that, uh, you know, just because someone's your favorite player, that doesn't necessarily make them captain material at all. And that's a, that's an important thing to point out. I know a lot of teams do like to make their star players into captains, uh, but you know what? Sometimes you, you just have to go with the guy who's the leader rather than the guy who's just a star. And you know what? Certain players get like, a lot of credit for being that star, but behind the scenes, there's other players that are very impactful as leaders and captains. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of the, the discussion we had. And, uh, um, you know, there, there has to be an opportunity for leaders to emerge. Um, and, and there, there may be, uh, leaders, um, coming um in the future so uh these are these are this is a careful consideration uh by the the management i i we did have uh, a couple of messages uh one from um uh, our our devoted listener dino who said what happened to the tradition of voting for the captain i think that was the last time that happened was uh max patcheretti who uh, was selected by the players uh, over PK Subban at the time. Um, I, that doesn't look like there's going to be full consultation, um, but that doesn't look like that's going to be the way uh, this captain uh, captaincy is decided. Yeah. So if uh, we rewind back to that uh, episode 186, uh, we pulled out a couple quotes, uh, one from each of us, uh, based on where we were back at that point. Uh, For me, I, at that point in time, mentioned that uh, I feel like they should go with four alternate captains for another year. But if it were up to me, if I had full control of the team and making these decisions. I think I'm going into next season with uh, four alternates, kind of similar to what we did this year. And I think I want to put more effort into grooming and Nick Suzuki to be a future captain. And like Rick kind of mentioned as well, there are going to be some other younger players on their way. You you never know what you're going to get in this year's draft. You have a Jordan Harris right now. You have a Caden Gooley on the way. I don't know that I'm going to want to commit the captaincy to a Joel Edmondson right now, to be completely honest. Um, you look at uh, what Joel Edmondson is, and you know what? Not that this should be working against him, but he's not, I guess, a household name. He's not the most known guy on the team. I'm sure like he's uh, like the leader right now, and I think he's a good interim kind of guy. I'm not sure that I'm going out of my way to put a C on his chest next season just to have a C on someone's chest. So that was uh, your quote back from from April, uh, episode 186. 
um, arguing that that um, for one more year at least uh, that that uh, the Canadians should continue with uh, four alternates. Um, because really, we're talking about here, um, uh, and and the 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 name of of this uh, um, particular segment, our big topic segment, is Habs leaders are they ready for prime time? And because I think that there's no clear standout there, uh, each of them comes with uh, some question marks, and and uh, um, so your suggestion to to deal with that is is just um, continue to groom. I like your the. The, the use of the word grooming. Uh, if Nick Suzuki is to be the captain, that uh, uh, some grooming is, is needed there. And uh, just, uh, I thought you made uh, several good points there about the, the, the current situation, that, well, the situation in April and, and, uh, and how it, it might apply um, now as well. Yeah, there's something special about having a young player grow with a rebuilding team and then emerge as a leader. Uh, I don't know that uh, there's really a guy that's quite there yet. You mentioned Nick Suzuki. Maybe he is there and uh, the organization knows something we don't know, but I wouldn't mind letting him have another year, maybe even two, if uh, the direction is to give him that captaincy. I might backtrack a little bit based on what I said uh, about uh, Joel Edmondson. I, I don't think that, you know, the fact that he's not a star player or the most popular player should be necessarily a knock against him. If he's the guy that you feel going forward is your captain and represents your team, then maybe you do give him the captaincy now. But I don't know that I see a scenario in which somewhere down the line in the next two, three years, you would have to take that captaincy away from Edmondson in order to give it to someone else who's a little bit younger. And it should be mentioned that um, you you brought up two young players, uh, Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley, both have been captains before. Caden Gooley was the captain with uh, the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, He was briefly the the Team Canada uh, junior rep um, uh, captain there. Jordan um, Harris was a captain at Northeastern in his final year. Um, There's also... You know, Justin Barron was a captain as well with the Halifax Mooseheads. We saw Jan Meshack. Uh, he was captain with uh, Team Czechia uh, at the World Juniors uh, a few weeks back. Uh, Nick Suzuki hasn't yet been a captain. That was Isaac Radcliffe, I, I believe, in Guelph. Um, so it's um, there. There are some young players who have uh, a considerable leadership experience uh, that are on the way. And uh, I'll throw it out there too. Like Montreal did just have a first overall pick in Uri Slavkovsky. It's possible he steps in this year, displays that he has certain qualities that could make a good captain down the line. So uh, you never really know. And I, I do really like the idea of just going with the young rebuilding team and letting someone emerge as the leader going forward. Um, that's not what uh, that's that. We should say that that's not what you think necessarily will happen. That's what you think is the best uh, course of action uh, yeah. w- with Kent Hughes saying that that it's likely that they'll pick a captain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that the organization does value having a guy wearing a C this season. I don't necessarily see eye to eye on that, but uh, I, I respect what uh, they have to say about it. 
Uh, we also have a quote from you from way back then. And uh, uh, what did you have to say about that, Rick? Joel Edmondson, um, we, we heard uh, the words from Luke Richardson about how he's taken on uh, the qualities of Shea Weber, how he's become a presence. Jake Evans was quoted as saying he's becoming a true leader on this team, that presence. Um, you, you see that, that Edmondson off the ice has been the leader of this team this year, even though he's missed so much time. You know, maybe it's Joel. Ed- I wouldn't have said so at the beginning of this season, but uh, if anyone has showed uh, that he belongs on the leadership team and maybe as a potential captain um, for next year, uh, and and it doesn't say, you know, uh, Joel Edmondson, it, it, maybe he's kind of an interim uh, kind of guy as, as captain until one of the younger leaders um, develops, uh, maybe a, a Suzuki, or maybe it's a Gooley, or maybe it's a Harris uh, that develops. But Joel Edmondson can be your guy in the meantime. So that was that was me back in April arguing uh, for uh, Joel Edmondson, and and um, on on that uh, podcast, I talked about um, a story about Joel Edmondson. Uh, taking it upon himself, he was injured and out of the lineup, but it, he took it upon himself to change the warm-up tune um, that the, the Canadians' uh, game night staff had changed without any kind of consultation, and the players didn't like it, and the uh, fans didn't like it, and so Joel Edmondson uh, went and said, uh, no, guys, uh, change it back, please, and then uh, just texted everybody and said, fixed, uh, and then Brendan Gallagher was like, wait a minute, Eddie, what did what did you do? And uh, but everybody was very supportive. Uh, Joel Edmondson taking uh, Jordan Harris out for for sushi when he when he arrived in um, uh, Florida. Um, that he has taken on, as Luke Richardson said, uh, all the qualities of, of uh, Shea Weber. We remember the rookie dinner that uh, Edmondson uh, organized in Vancouver. Um, he's he's the guy. Jake Evans talked about. Uh, him being a leader. And interestingly enough that he was the guy that uh, Sean Monaghan said uh, that it was, it was Joel Edmondson who uh, first texted him to welcome him to the Montreal Canadians. He's not only, um, you know, he knows the right thing to do, but he's plugged in enough uh, to do it. And uh, so I think, I think that says, says a lot. And, and I still, uh, think that uh, that he would make a, a good interim captain, um, and and would be the kind of guy that uh, the younger players could could learn an awful lot from um, uh, over the the next couple of years. I feel like in kind of a roundabout way, we both kind of have the same idea. The only difference is you are more okay with giving Edmondson that interim captain status. But the contingency with that would be that eventually that status would be taken away from Edmondson or he would be moved along at some point. Yeah, I'd, I'd say two years because that's that's what he has left on his current contract. And uh, and hopefully uh, the you know, the Canadians have uh, a really nice group of, of young defensemen. Uh, who are developing and they will be ready to take on a bigger role. And, and uh, Joel Edmondson can uh, move on to a team where, where he is, uh, he was helped. And, and in that way uh, would have his, his captaincy reign come to an end and, and pass it on to, 
to uh, an, um, a newer generation of, of player. Yeah, I, I think that's not a bad way to go. We've seen this around the league a few times. If you look at Florida, it was uh, Derek McKenzie who ended up giving his captaincy to Alexander Barkov while Barkov was uh, developing into a leader. So that's not necessarily a bad way to go. I, for whatever reason, in my opinion, I feel like that, that, makes kind of an awkward situation and maybe certain players are mature enough to go that route and, and are willing to do that. But to an extent, I, I just, I feel like that's kind of awkward to have to hand over that captaincy from one guy to another, you know? And I think that, um, you know, like you, I think that would be the best course of action. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I think that the Montreal Canadians, um, this rebuild is going, uh, and and if the if it was a traditional rebuild, I think that that would work. The Canadians are trying to accelerate this process because yeah. of the Montreal Canadiens. They don't they don't want to stay on the bottom of the standings for too long uh, in a traditional rebuild. So we talked about two episodes ago on on uh, the Canadians connection about how this rebuild is being accelerated by the various moves that they're making, and I think that also includes. Uh, how they deal with leadership. I think I I I believe that they are going to they are set to announce um, Nick Suzuki as the 31st captain of the Montreal Canadiens. I think that's been clear given uh, Suzuki spent the entire summer in in um, at Montreal. He was featured everywhere on the website, being um, you know in in every kind of uh, social event. You mentioned the draft. Uh, with Slavkovsky, he was the only Canadian on stage, uh, the Canadians player on stage to welcome uh, the the first overall pick to Montreal. Um, I I think it's um, you know th- this is a situation of, of fake it till you make it. <laughs> He's it, it, nothing against uh, Nick Suzuki. He has met every challenge on the ice. He was the team's leading scorer. Um, last year, 61 points in 82 games, uh, off the ice, you know, I, I don't know that he knows, uh, how to operate in, in, uh, in a, a locker room, um, when it's, when it's, uh, the right time to, to say things. I don't know that he is necessarily right now a respected voice in the locker room, um, because, you know, people mature at different rates. He's, He's not a mature, um, he's not a person who has uh, matured, he's a little immature, and, and, he, and I think that's why fans like him so much. He has that uh, immature boyish kind of quality uh, about him, nothing's too serious, and, and until he gets on the ice, and, and he's, he's just, um, you know, a different player on the ice. Um, you know he's going to be he, next year. He's going to be the Canadians' top line center. He's going to be um, the Canadians' highest paid player with Carey Price out of out of the lineup. This is all setting up perfectly for uh, Nick Suzuki, and and uh, I just would have liked to see more grooming, to use your word, um, over the next couple of years. I don't think that management are are patient enough to let that happen. <laughs> Uh, and he'll have to kind of learn on the job, uh, and and you know if if that's the the destiny, if that's where it eventually is going to go, maybe that's maybe it's not a bad thing. 
Yeah, it seemed apparent last year that uh, when things were getting difficult, Suzuki was not the guy that was facing the media all the time. Uh, Nick Suzuki at times just kind of quiet and didn't really hear from him too often. But uh, over this summer, like you said, he's been everywhere. He's been basically the face of the team. It really does feel like they're just setting up for Nick Suzuki to gain uh, captaincy. Nick Suzuki's very competitive, and we saw at the end of the year, uh, yeah, he seemed a little moody uh, at times when he got in front of the the media. On the ice, he took some really bad penalties at times. Um, So so not ideal, uh, but, but, you know, he's learning. He's learning how to be an NHLer. He's learning how to be uh, the focus in a hockey-mad city, Uh, the, 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 the player that, that uh, fans turn to um, and they want the future and they want it now. Um, And that's the, that's the maybe unreasonable pressure that's been placed uh, on Nick Suzuki. So Kent Hughes has acknowledged that the Canadians suffered a leadership deficit in uh, 2021, 22. Uh, How do you think management can rebuild that component of the team? Yeah, and I think that's. I think to acknowledge that it it was a deficit, to acknowledge that uh, moving from uh, the Stanley Cup final appearance, where they had an abundance of veteran leadership um, in Shea Weber, in Carey Price, in Corey Perry, um, in Eric Stahl, and, and we heard that Dom Ducharme, being a rookie coach, just leaned on those guys heavily um, uh, and brought them into the. Uh, office daily to to talk to them and pick their brain and and to uh, get them on board um to go from that to having you know it be pretty wide open um and and uh before we've you know uh there's people out there screaming but what about brendan gallagher he's (laughs) he's he's uh, a veteran um you know veteran brendan gallagher and we talked about this in in april um, there was there was probably a time uh, for Brandon Gallagher to be captain. Unfortunately, Shea Weber was around, and Shea Weber was just better at it. Um, you know, not as emotional. He was um, Brandon Gallagher. Uh, now uh, has moved to a player who's uh, not in your, not generally not consistently in your top six um, because of his injuries, and and he slowed down. Uh, he still has the same passion. He still has the same heart, um, but um, you know his his contract is going to be one that's going to be um, well. It is a bad contract already. It's only going to get worse as the years go on, and that's not a good uh, tie-in with with uh, being captain uh, to to be uh, criticized like that. And that there's the whole feeling, I think. Uh, that this is a new regime. Uh, so many players have been moved out, more to come, um, that I think that the, the uh, Gorton-Hughes team want to put their stamp uh, on, a, on, on their own young player, emerging player, uh, and that's probably going to be uh, Nick Suzuki. So over the course of the past five months, uh, has your opinion on the matter changed a whole lot? Or do you still think that uh, the best route would be to name an Edmondson captain and then move on from that in about two years? I just, uh, I think um, that, that, that leadership, veteran leadership is, is needed. And, and 
Um, so there's going to be guys um, like, um, you know, David Savard even or Joel Edmondson there that are going to need to be involved. Uh, we talked about the, the, the pink and blue earlier um, on, on the Canadians' website. What are we seeing on there? The, there's been four players consistently on the Canadians' website. Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, the young guns. Um, uh, Josh Anderson and Joel Edmondson. I think those four players, it's not only for marketing. I think, uh, I think those four players are going to be involved or the expectation is that they're going to be involved. Um, I, I would like to, you know, I, I think the best course of action is, is Joel Edmondson, but I'm, I'm uh, ready, ready to embrace the fact that the, the management seems to be setting up Nick Suzuki as the next captain. Yeah. And like over the course of the past five months, like I mentioned a little bit before, I, I don't know that my opinion has changed too much. It's still, if it were up to me, I, I wouldn't really name a captain for this season, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe Suzuki is ready. I, I'm not sure that I think he is, but obviously I'm not behind the scenes to see that. Uh, it seems like it, it is really just a little bit too early for Suzuki to be the captain and with so many other young players emerging too, I, I would just, I would rather just be patient with it. That's fair. That's, that's absolutely fair. Um, you know, why rush? Um, but this is, uh, the city of Montreal can be quite impatient at times. So we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll know over, over the, the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah. And that, uh, that really does tie in nicely with, uh, what we're going to ask, uh, all of our listeners in the third segment, uh, who do you think the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens will be? So I think we'll take our final break here. Uh, we're going to hear from a brand new sponsor in uh, Raycon. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of great 80s music on Spotify. Can you blame me? Sometimes the 80s just really sound great. It's really been fun and one reason it's been great to listen to it is because I've been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, now with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, which my ears are always really difficult to get a custom snug fit for in-ear earbuds, and uh, Raycon's got such a wide variety, it's just perfect. These earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour battery life. They're priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five star reviews. Some of the things that I love about it, uh, there's customizable sound profiles. So whether you're listening to something like jazz that you really want a, a pure sound, they have a setting for that. If you're listening to some, some, some dance or some, you know, pop, hip hop, that kind of thing, you want something a little bassier, well, they have a setting for that as well. Uh, everything is controlled through tap functions right on the earbuds, whether it's moving a, a head or forward with your tracks or your volume control or what sound setting you want. There's also what they call an awareness mode uh, where you can press that and it allows some more sound from your environment to seep in so that you can still hear what's going on around you while you're listening to your favorite music or podcast or anything like that. So, 
Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Welcome back to episode 207 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can visit the website canadiansconnection.com. Feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line 5853-ROCKET. And wow, what uh, what an interesting uh, new ad that we have there, uh, read, by, read out by Amy Johnson. Uh, Raycon, yeah, the earbuds. Uh, great product, um, and I think you get 15% off. Great offer, um, and uh, we're happy to, as I said before, we're happy to have our sponsors there, and, and, and we, we only um, select uh, sponsors that uh, we ourselves endorse. Amy sound, sounded pretty happy with her brand new earbuds from Raycon. Yeah, and after hearing that, I'm uh, I'm excited to go and listen to some '80s music. <laughs> but I uh, just wanted to to point something out here. I, I would like to thank all of our listeners who t- tuned into the Canadians Connection podcast over the summer. Our numbers went up quite a bit uh, in uh, July and August uh, with the draft happening and everything else. Uh, just a big thank you to everyone who tuned in and subscribed to the Canadians connection podcast. That means a lot to us. It really does uh, good point. And, and a big thank you to, to all of you. Uh, we committed to being here every day of the, uh, every weekend of the off season, every Saturday. Um, so in June, July and August, uh, we said we'd be there for you, and you were there for us uh, over the last uh, 90 days, uh, June, July, and August. Our downloads are up 77%, so uh, th- thanks thanks to you. Uh, thanks for, for uh, uh, posting uh, the podcast on, on Facebook, on your social media. Uh, thanks for, uh, you know, the word of mouth and sharing it with uh, fellow Canadians fans. Uh, we try to get to be the the source that you can trust uh, for Montreal Canadiens news, and and uh, you really uh, you really came through, and and uh, we're 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 incredibly grateful to you, our loyal listeners. Yeah, and thanks again. Uh, we have the hockey season just around the corner. It's September. Can you believe it's already September? <laughs> uh, training camps coming up, and uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens, uh, we have a few ways to help you out. Uh, first and foremost, head over to our All Habs Hockey Magazine, allhabs.net. Uh, weekly, Chris G posts a notepad. As things happen, we have our Habs headlines, and uh, we'll keep you up to date with all the Habs news. And pretty soon we're going to have previews and game recaps and um, you know, press release about call-ups and send-downs and all. Of it's all it's all about to, to start very, very soon. So be sure you've bookmarked allhabs.net. And also we have some new content over on YouTube uh, every week hosted by Amy Johnson. It's the Habs Hockey Report. Uh, the latest episode entitled Late Summer Intrigue, uh, Sean Monahan and Carrie Price. Uh Amy is really good about interacting with those who 
tune in to view. Uh, if you leave her comments, she always responds. Sometimes she'll even uh, read some out on air. Uh, definitely recommend this. Head over to the All Habs YouTube page. Subscribe, like, leave a comment, and uh, hit any other buttons if uh, you like what you heard. And subscribe uh, and, and tell your friends to subscribe. Um, last I looked, uh, around 690 subscribers. We can get that up even higher uh, with our large Canadians hockey community. So go to youtube.com slash allhabs and subscribe to our channel. And of course, we have our Rocket Sports Radio podcast. So make sure you'll, you you uh, listen to and subscribe to Canadians Connection and the Press Zone. Uh, the Canadians Connection podcast will continue to come out every single Saturday. Uh, make sure you subscribe to that. And every Tuesday evening, the Press Zone comes out. Uh, that's hosted by Rick Stevens and Amy Johnson. Stay up to date with the Laval Rocket, the AHL, all things Habs prospects. Uh, make sure you subscribe to that and you don't want to miss a single episode. So we're grateful for all the avalanche of, of downloads over the last three months. We just want to make sure that you're subscribed uh, to our podcast uh, to, make, to, to get in your inbox uh, notification when our new episodes come out. And... We are recruiting. Join our Rocket Sports team. If you are a Habs fan, a hockey fan, you like writing, you're going to school for journalism, uh, you're interested in maybe getting on a podcast, uh, you can head over to allhabs.net uh, and uh, you can uh, send us uh, a little message. It will, uh, we are looking to recruit uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, Rick, uh, what's, uh, what's the best way to get on our recruitment process? Go to allhabs.net and look for the Join Our Team tab. There's a tab right there. Uh, click it. There's a few questions uh, about yourself. Uh, let us know who you are and, uh, and uh, what you like to do, why you're a Canadians fan, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back in touch with you. And, and our, our team is, is one, uh, I mean, we're, we're committed hockey fans, first and foremost. Uh, we like working together. We have a great time doing it. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a way of gaining experience and, and interacted, uh, interacting with other like-minded hockey fans. Yeah, a Rocket Sports team is really just a great community. It's a nice little family to have, and uh, everyone's super supportive of each other. I definitely recommend uh, joining the Rocket Sports team if that's something you're looking into. Another community is our fantasy sports leagues, and and our commissioner is Brian Clark. He's he's run these leagues for a, a dozen years. Um, our football leagues, our fantasy football leagues, are just getting with the NFL season. Uh, our drafts are coming up uh, in our three uh, fantasy football leagues. Watch on so social media because we're also going to be um, uh, uh, recruiting for our fantasy hockey leagues. If you want to play uh, fantasy hockey, uh, we'll be glad to uh, find a spot for you. Yeah, uh, the fantasy hockey, uh, which I joined last year, ton of fun. Definitely recommend it if that's something you're into. And uh, we'll be playing for bragging rights, of course. That's right. So our Canadians connection question of the week uh, should or who should Montreal uh, name as the next captain? Um, we have, uh, I guess, a number of different options. Uh, you know, go back, listen to that big topic segment in segment two. Let us know what you think. Yeah, and um, any answer, just uh, let us know. And, and um, you can uh, go to our, our Facebook group, facebook.com slash allhabs. You can reach out to us on Twitter. You can send us an email, info at allhabs.net, or send us a text at the Rocket Sports text line 5853-ROCKET.
So Canadians fans will want to keep an eye up on this uh, upcoming important date. Uh, two big things are happening. Uh, September the 6th, uh, single game tickets officially go on sale to the public. And the NHLPA Rookie Showcase is happening. So definitely uh, make sure that uh, you're well aware and mark your calendar for September the 6th. Tuesday's a big day. Uh, that's Yuri Slavkovsky at the uh, NHLPA Rookie Showcase happening in, in Buffalo. We told you about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, both of, and, and get your uh, those tickets once the single game tickets go on sale. That happening Tuesday as well. And, uh, and we'll probably have some other news for you uh, coming up next weekend. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. You can also share on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We will be back here next Saturday, September the 10th, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs>